And I'm Ash. Welcome to Crime Potatoes Podcast. Grab your snacks, get comfy, and let's get to it. Welcome back to another episode. Another week, another episode. Yes. Our giveaway ended on Thursday, and we are announcing that on our Instagram page today. So if you're listening to this first thing in the morning, just know that that is coming later today. Um, But if not, you've probably missed it, and I'm really sorry. Hopefully there will be more. All right. Well, what are you snacking on tonight, Ash? Um, so my husband had a weird craving for Kool-Aid. So I have some Kool-Aid here. <laughs> I don't think and I've then, had Kool-Aid since I was like in elementary school. <laughs> right. Right. We even have one of those. Um, what are those called? Pitcher? Yeah. <laughs> no, it's been a day. Okay. We have a pitcher and it's like one of those ones with like the handheld things on top, like to stir it. Like, do you know what I mean? Yes. Like, our grandma used to have one. We used to yeah. have one. I'm pretty sure. We got sure. one of those. So that made it pretty nostalgic. That is so freaking funny. Okay. But this is important. What kind of Kool-Aid? He did grape. What the heck? Grape? I know. Lemon lime is where it's at. The green one. It doesn't even taste like lemony lime, but it's just good. <laughs> Honestly, I could not tell you which one I like because it's been so long, but that's fair. So yeah, I have my Kool-Aid and then for my snack, I, if you don't know, I have been in a like sourdough phase where I have been making everything and anything with my discard and all that stuff. So I made some banana muffins and I haven't actually tasted it yet. So hopefully they're good. They just came out of the oven before we started. So yeah. Cool. You're going to have to send me the recipe. What are you snacking on? Just my diet, Dr. Pepper, tonight. Just a drink night. I've had like four sodas today, so. Hey, this is my only my second, so I'd say that's a win. <laughs> so, um, like Ash did last week, I am just going to give my case sources and jump into it. So, my sources are Wikipedia the podcast Criminal, allthatsinteresting.com, unsolvedmysteries.fandom.com, historydefined.net, and nchgs.org. Today's case references human trafficking, which today has become one of the largest human rights issues in our own nation and worldwide. If you would like to get a small look into what and how human trafficking happens, I highly suggest watching the movie Sound of Freedom. The movie is based on a true story and on federal agent Tim Ballard. And I know we mentioned this before when it first came out, but it's such a powerful film that it needs to be shared again. So watch it. Though, warning, it is heavy. 
Yes, human trafficking is even more prevalent today. However, the case I'm sharing today takes place from 1924 to 1950. Beulah George Tan, or known to everyone as Georgia, was born July 18, 1891, to school teacher Beulah Isabella Yates and Judge. George Clark Tan in Philadelphia, Mississippi. She had one brother, three years her junior, Rob Roy Tan. George's father was reportedly a very domineering man who had aspirations for his daughter to become a concert pianist. He put her into lessons at the age of five and the lessons continued for her into adulthood. Georgia obviously came from a pretty wealthy family. Judge Tan would often tell of the cases he dealt with, specifically poor, abandoned, and or neglected children, often saying that he would need a minister, school teacher, and doctor to figure out what to do with the children. When Georgia was 15 years old, her father had a case in which two siblings had been orphaned. He was at a loss of what to do for them. So... Georgia took it upon herself to go around and talk with the wealthiest people in the community and try to convince a family to adopt them. And she did. Georgia Tan attended Martha Washington College in Virginia and graduated in 1913 with a degree in music. And then for two summers, took courses in social work at Columbia University in New York. Georgia despised playing the piano, despite being extremely talented at it. Instead, she wanted to become a lawyer like her father had been. So her father took her under his wing and tutored her in law practice. Then she took and passed the state bar exam in Mississippi. However, even though her father taught her in law, he did not want her to practice law, as it was very unusual for women to do so at the time. Well, one could argue that Georgia Tan was an unusual woman. She had no desire to get married, nor did she want children, and since her father was against her ever practicing law, she went into one of the few careers available to unmarried women of her time, social work. Georgia Tan worked briefly in Texas as a social worker, but quit after a short period. It was never said why. She then found work in her home state at the Mississippi Children's Home Society. She worked as the receiving director at the Kate McWillie Powers Receiving Home for Children. Georgia would be fired from this job because of her questionable child-placing methods. So in 1924, Georgia Tan moved to Memphis, Tennessee, where she was hired as the executive secretary at the Shelby County branch of the Tennessee Children's Home Society. Say that 10 times fast. I know, right? So I'm just going to state here, I will a lot of times just call this home the society because I am not going to say that 10 times over. <laughs> but that's, I, I actually thank you for that. The society was the largest in the state and had branches in Jackson, Knoxville, and Chattanooga as well. Georgia decided 
that she wanted to be the boss and used very aggressive tactics to eventually take over the organization. And again, I tried to look into exactly what she did, um, but didn't find how she took over. However, as we'll learn later on, she is a very, uh, what's the word, abrupt woman and will stop at nothing to get what she wants. So it, I wouldn't put it past her to maybe uh, blackmail or those kind of things to okay. eventually take over. Anyways, moving on. Tennessee law permitted agencies to place children with appropriate applicants. And in an effort to ban the selling of children, agencies could only charge for their services. In keeping with the law, the society charged about $7 for adoptions within Tennessee. $7 in 1924 is equal to about $126.25 today. During this time period, so-called black market adoptions weren't illegal, but were still considered ethically and morally wrong. And Georgia Tan became smack dab in the middle of it. Georgia Tan began arranging out-of-state private adoptions for which she charged a premium. 80% of the, these adoptions were to parents in New York and California. However, she also served parents in Mississippi, Arkansas, and Missouri. Georgia Tan initially charged $750, which equals about $13,298 today. However, the Knoxville Focus stated that Georgia Tan arranged for some adoptions for as much as $5,000, which is equal to $88,655 today. And she took 80 to 90% of the profit for herself. <sighs> Adoption was not a popular thing in the U.S. at the time, but Georgia Tan was beginning to change that. She was held a saint for being able to place, and I'm going to air quote because you can't see me, orphans with families. Thus, Georgia began making connections with high-ranking officials in the community including the mayor of Memphis, E.H. Boss Crump. He would have an influential political presence up until his death. Boss Crump had long been known to take bribes from unlawful establishments, and Georgia Tan took full advantage of that. Georgia Tan believed in class distinctions and felt that children should be taken from the poor and placed with what she called, quote, people of the higher type. She believed poor people were incapable of proper parenting. That makes me kind of sad just because if we really talk about poor, I feel like right now with how the world is going and everything and probably comparing what she considered air quote poor to be you know would I be in that category she used a variety of methods to procure children through pressure tactics threats of legal actions etc she would coerce birth parents mostly poor single 
mothers to turn the children over to her custody and often under false pretenses. Because of George's in with public officials, she was also able to arrange taking children born to inmates at Tennessee Mental Institute institutions and those born to wards of the state. Georgia Tan had a growing business, and to meet demand, she even resorted to kidnapping. Horrible. Yeah. Taking young children from parks and even right off their front porches. Georgia Tan was also documented taking children from their mothers right at birth, claiming the infant needed medical care. When the mothers would ask after their babies, they would be told that their babies had died. But in reality, they had been placed in foster homes or adopted. Are you kidding me? I am so angry for these parents that have no idea what at least, you know, like sitting in the hospital room, you just giving birth and then taking your child and then saying, oh, sorry, they died. No, I'm just, I'm like so angry. Okay, sorry. Keep going. Oh, yeah. No, it, it was so bad that even later on when she would have women working for her, she would... These women would dress up as nurses, wait at the doors of the birthing room, and then as soon as they heard a cry, would go in and take the baby and I... just leave. So it was a whole a whole thing. Yeah, it, it was bad. So And because of the time period, uh, sometimes parents would te- temporarily place their children in an orphanage because the family was experiencing illness or unemployment, only to find out later that the orphanage had adopted them or denied ever having record of the children ever being placed. So in other words, they would gaslight the parents, saying, oh no, I... I I don't recognize you. What's the name? Yeah, we don't have any record of your child ever being here. Yeah. I am angry. That's um, And in some cases, parents would drop their children off at nursery schools and only to be told later when coming to pick them up that welfare agents had taken the children. When in reality, the school officials let Georgia Tan know and Georgia Tan would swoop in and take the children. I, how do I put this? There are sick people out there, but it's so scary to think that sick people meet sick people. You know what I mean? Because what you're explaining and saying is like, it Mm -hmm. was a whole army of people working together to make this happen. Without going off topic a little bit or about this story specifically, but it it's insane to think. You would think that it was probably easier then for the time period to be able to yeah. do all this. But in reality, it is worse today than it ever was then. And that's what scares me. That is it. Yeah. I, ugh, I hate this. Why are you doing this? Yeah. I'm sorry. It's okay. You can keep going, I guess. Georgia Tan destroyed records of the children who were processed through the society and conducted minimal or no background checks on the adoptive homes. Georgia would also falsify records on the children to cover up the child's circumstances prior to being placed with the society. If adoptive parents ever found out that the files were fictionalized, Georgia would threaten the adoptive parents with legal action that would force them to surrender all of their children. 
Georgia was able to do this with the help of Shelby County family court judge Camille Kelly. Camille Kelly would sever custody of parents placing children with Georgia Tan, who then would arrange the children for adoption. Sadly, many of the children were placed into homes where they were used as child labor on farms or with abusive families. While in Georgia Tan's care, the children were mistreated. Reports of neglect, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and even murder. According to former employees of Georgia Tan, the children were frequently sedated, and those who were difficult to place were allowed to die from malnutrition. No. I I have nothing else to say, but no, I am like, I am just so mad. I I know it was a problem, but just hearing these stories, even though it was so long ago, you just realize, and knowing it's t- 10 times worse today, it just makes me sick. Mm-hmm. Ugh, okay, keep going. Georgia also ignored doctors' medical recommendations for sick children, denying them care or medicine, which often led to preventable deaths from illnesses such as diarrhea. While some of her victims are known to be buried in Elmwood Cemetery in Memphis, Tennessee, many of the children were never accounted for, and the exact number of deceased children remains unknown with estimates of about 500 deaths due to mistreatment. Georgia Tan bragged about having a rigorous selection process that matched the perfect child with the perfect home. But she wanted her customers to be happy and so would sometimes send three children to the same home and let them have a one-year trial to decide which and, if any, they would like to keep. In correspondence letters, Georgia Tan referred to children as, quote, merchandise and being on hand or in stock. By the mid-1940s, Georgia had adds out saying quote babies make for the perfect christmas present i am about to throw hands (laughs) i'm sorry with this microphone or i don't know but i am oh okay she even had ads with children dressed up and captions that read quote living dolls for you or george wants to play catch but he needs a daddy to complete the team Then the ads would say, quote, put your orders in early. No. Yeah. This, this has got to be fake. How? No. Like, this is not real. (laughs) In my research, looking at pictures and stuff, uh, they have the old newspaper clippings of these ads, which we will post on our Instagram page. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like pinching myself. Is this real? Like, am I? This is true crime. This is truly something that happened. I just, I can't believe people just stood back and let it happen either. Well, because they were all part of it. That's the sad thing, and that's the reality. That is fair. Oh, I'm just, I kind of want to throw up. Yeah. So, Tennessee lawmakers attempted to pass legislation requiring children's homes to be inspected and licensed. Georgia Tan, however, got an exemption from 
complying because she had she had that in with officials. She went unchecked for almost three decades, and it wasn't that parents weren't speaking out against her. It was just as if they weren't being listened to or they were being quieted and ignored because, again, Georgia, in, Georgia Tan had that in with political officials. But the newly re-elected governor of Tennessee, Gordon Browning, began listening. He launched an investigation into the society on September 11th, 1950. Let's go, Gordon. Yes. <laughs> he assigned Memphis attorney Robert Taylor to the case. Public Welfare Commissioner J.O. McMahon accused Georgia Tan and her cohorts of receiving as much as $1 million in profits. $1 million in 1950 is equal to $12,997,712 today. The investigation into Georgia Tan estimated that she stole over 5,000 children. Unfortunately, Georgia Tan died of uterine cancer just three days before the state filed charges against the society on September 15th, 1950. I, I don't know. I'm just, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who couldn't see me, I guess. I just pinched myself because this feels so fake. I mean, obviously right? it's not. But what? What? No. That, no. Keep going. <laughs> yeah, so she uh, skipped out on justice because she died before they could, yeah. Judge Camille Kelly was believed to be receiving bribes for ruling in Georgia Tan's favor. She resigned shortly after the start of the investigation and died in 1955 without any charges having been brought against her as well. The state of Tennessee sued Georgia Tan's estate for $500,000, which is equal to $6,498,856 today but was settled out of court with her beneficiaries ceding two-thirds of her $82,000 estate, which would be $54,666 or $710,541 today. The Tennessee Children's Home Society was closed in 1950. Over the years of Georgia Tan's crimes, only 19 of the children who died at the Tennessee Children's Home Society were buried with no headstones. In 2015, Elmwood Cemetery raised $13,000 to erect a monument in their memory. It reads, quote, In memory of the 19 children who finally rest here, unmarked if not unknown, and of all the hundreds who died under the cold, hard hand of the Tennessee Children's Home Society, their final resting place unknown, their final peace a blessing. The hard lesson of their fate changed adoption procedure and the law nationwide. End quote. And yes, Georgia Tan 
popularized adoption and even notable celebrities and higher officials used her services, including Joan Crawford, June Allison and Dick Powell, and even New York Governor Herbert Lehman. But her methods were horrible and just one of the many trafficking cases in history. After all of this came out, fewer than 10% of the stolen children were ever reunited with parents or siblings due to the complicity of local and state officials and manipulation and destruction of records on the children. And that's just a short version of kidnapper and child trafficker, Georgia Tan. (sighs) (laughs) I don't even know what to say. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like I said, this was a short version. It's, yeah, it obviously goes so much deeper than that. And if we really, I mean, I'm, I will, I'm trying to stay out of politics for this, but if we deep dived into human trafficking alone, it is absolutely insane and scary and the conspiracies that surround it and the fact that our nation alone is one of the highest places for human trafficking. Yeah, it's Yeah. And this happened in the 1920s to the 50s. So Yeah, that ugh, I just I cannot mm-hmm. register all this stuff into my brain. It's just not holding on to it because <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. I cannot it's a lot. fathom any of this. It just doesn't seem real and it's just disgusting and horrible, and I, mm-hmm. I don't have anything else to say other than that. I, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, and I, I will just leave it at yes, because of Georgia Tan, adoption became a thing, but also because of Georgia Tan, certain procedures have been put in place, legislation, laws, such as that. But again, there is still horrible child trafficking going on and it's sad and it's scary. And I highly recommend, again, like I said at the beginning, watch Sound of Freedom. It is very prevalent to today's world and gives you just a small look into what happens and what it's like. Um, but yeah, yeah. All right. Well, listeners, <laughs> sorry for the, the little bit of a heavy episode there. I mean, I know we say that a lot, sorry but to ruin your week, uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Child trafficking is just, it's just, Ooh. Yeah. And this was a hard one to listen to. And I'm sure not just for me, but probably some of our listeners too, but just like, other cases, like I know people get on me for sharing so many missing person cases, but sharing cases like this brings attention and awareness to these problems. Um, so although it's horrible and I don't want to hear it, it's good to get the message out there and get it heard. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But yeah, thank you guys for listening. And thank you, Kinsey, for sharing that. I had never, ever heard of that. Remember to check Instagram because our giveaway winner will be announced. Today. 
And also, we have some fun new stuff coming very soon. Not quite sure when exactly, but you will want to make sure you're watching out for that. So make sure to listen to our podcast, of course, um, and follow us at Crime Potatoes on Instagram and TikTok to keep updated. Thanks again for listening, and we will be back next week with a brand new episode. Stay safe, potatoes. Bye!